situations and conversations that lead up to the sermons that are preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. And this is Pastor Perry. And I will read the the text for this coming Sunday. And uh, we just got done finishing a uh, five-sermon series on 2 Corinthians, and we are now starting in the book of Job, the cheery, happy book of Job. Um, so, uh, and that was being sarcastic because it is not very cheery and happy. So, Job 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. There was once a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. And there were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He had 7,000 sheep and... 3,000 camel and 5,000 yoke of oxen and 500 donkeys and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. His sons used to go and hold feasts in one another's houses in turn, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the feast days had run their course, Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This is what Job always did. One day, the heavenly beings came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, does, God, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a fence around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you blessed you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, all that he has is in your power. Only do not stretch out your hand against him. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when his sons and daughters, Job's, were eating and drinking wine, in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabians, Sabians fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. But while he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone escaped while he was came and said, The cow carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. King another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the desert and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they are dead. 
I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. He said, naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return, to, return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. Our corresponding gospel text is from Luke chapter 17, verses 5 and 6. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. The gospel of the Lord. All right. So back to Job. I just kind of made some notes as I read through this because there's 22 verses here. It's a, a big scene that sets up uh, the rest of the book of Job for us. So lots to look at here and think about. Um, the first of which I thought was interesting. I got to, so we've talked in some past sermons here at First Lutheran and some studies about the literal naming of people in the Old Testament. For instance, um, Abraham and Sarah's son Isaac means laughter. Um, Pastor Perry gave a sermon about uh, King Solomon's two sons after the kingdom was splitting up and one was named 10 bottles of wine and the other one was named 20 bottles of wine or something to that effect, boasting of their greatness. Um, here, Job is kind of interesting. The verb means to be an enemy and the noun Job means he who returns. And you could think of that in a couple of ways, I guess. So like a boomerang is what I'm thinking of, you know, uh, and Job gets thrown out there about as far as a person can get thrown out there without getting killed in this. Uh, and then as you see, as we'll continue through the story by the back of the end of the story, um, he comes back around or here he is in the presence of God again and back in this conversation with God. So I thought that was kind of an interesting literal naming of Job as like a boomerang or the one who returns. For me, one of the, the interesting parts is the conversation between God and, and Satan and the idea that uh, Satan says, well, of course he loves you because you have <laughs> protected him from all danger. You've blessed him. You've given him all these wonderful things. You know, um, take that away from him and he's going to curse you. God doesn't take it away, but he allows Satan to. And so, so many times I hear people talk about, well, you know, um, God took this person, or God did this to me, or God did that to so-and-so. God gave me cancer because he wanted me to die or to suffer, um, you know, and, and so is it, is it really God that's doing it, or does um, evil just come in and and uh, impact our lives. So I, f I find it interesting to think about where does where does trouble come from? And in this book, trouble comes from Satan. We maybe we could have a conversation about that. Uh, I think there is some question of uh, Satan's allowed to be the authority or the actor here, but it always circles back around to the idea of God's sovereignty. Is God really yeah. in control or does Satan perhaps uh, have a de degree of control that God can't handle and change? Um, and it seems that the, the part that always gets me is they're having their little powwow there 
And God's the one who says, hey, look at Job. You know, and you have to wonder if any of this whole thing would have happened if God had not said, why don't you take a look at Job? He's pretty cool. Right. Right. Uh, if God wasn't bragging about Job. Yeah. And then we get uh, later on that one of the servants comes along too and says, God's fire came down and burnt up everything. You know, so, so there's a little a mixing of uh, who's responsible oh. for what's, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to note, too, in this story that Satan that's talked about here is um, a little bit different than what you get by the book of John in the New Testament. So here, the same word is sometimes translated the accuser, or you could say it's the prosecution, you know, and, and mm. cross-examination of, oh, you sure. think Job's pretty cool? Let's, uh, let's look at Job and think about Job for a little bit. And so this is a very early on in scripture, look at the relationship between God and Satan or the accuser versus by the time as scripture goes forward, Satan becomes more of a personification of evil. And you probably see that most predominantly in the gospel of John, where he has a very antagonistic anti-God role yep. versus here it's, he's a player in the courtroom kind of thing. Um, so that's uh we were talking about Catherine Schifferdecker before we got to recording here, and she's written a lot on this book. And so Satan's question of, uh, oh, Job just probably thinks you're pretty cool because you've protected him and looked out for him and given him all this stuff. If we take that away, he's probably going to break off his relationship with you. And so that's, she says that's the big question over the whole book of Job is, do people only love God for what they get out of the relationship? Um, and I think that's an important question to ask and, and have in the back of our minds as we go forward here looking at the book of Job. Do people only love God for what they get out of the relationship? As I'm listening to Job's laundry list of things that come in one report after another, I was like, this is almost like uh, reading a, on Facebook right now. And <laughs> report barely got over, in came another report. Uh, that something else had gone wrong. And by the time I got to the end of that list and I was waiting for it to say, and it was the year 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but the thing that really shocked me or got my attention with everything. So yes, the, the scene in heaven, of course, is mind boggling. And, and Job doesn't know about any of it. We're kind of privy to that conversation as listeners. Job doesn't know about that conversation at this point. But everything that happens to Job, this list of him losing everything, and even worse than what comes after this, what happens to him physically and personally, losing all of his assets, but then to lose all of his children on the same day from the same event. And then verse 20 comes along. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground. Okay, I'm with him that far and worshiped. You know, that's the part that just, <sighs> all this happened and Job said, well, it's time to worship. And then he says, uh, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return there, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. I think there's like an Aerosmith song about that or something. His reaction to everything that happened just makes me say, okay, what's going on with this guy? I wanna examine this guy too. <laughs> sure. <laughs> How can he go through all that and, and say, blessed be the Lord? 
And one of the, the cross section of that for me was coming in too. I was thinking, look at the beginning of this text and he has everything a person could possibly want at that time. All kinds of wealth, a big family, uh, the means to take care of it all, well-respected in the community. And then it's all taken away by verse 22. And then I was thinking, I really have focused on the word blessed. In what sense is Job more blessed at the beginning or at the end of this story? And to lay that alongside Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And at which point, the beginning or the end, would Job be more blessed according to the way that, that Christ defines being blessed? And uh, help me out with that, but Perry. I know he says, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek. I don't know if any other things immediately come to mind right off the top of your head with that but well the poor in spirit um i'm trying to think mourn comforted meek hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed are the merciful the pure in heart the peacemakers those who are persecuted are you when people insult you i think most of those hit job yeah in his second state maybe that's where jesus got it from <laughs> from Job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Job falls right alongside the book of Psalms, too, which I think is important as uh, as we move forward in this book of Job, too, because it becomes a lot about when crisis hits, how we often, because we don't want to pin it on God and say God was a part of this thing happening, we often look to everything else for a solution to how to respond to it must be something that I did and we'll see this play out with Job's friends, you know, or it must be something going on in my world, but it couldn't be God. Uh, so I, I won't talk to God about fixing this thing because it must be something that I've got to somehow fix and take care of on my own. In our conversation earlier today, Perry, you had said there's kind of getting to be this statement uh, where people say, well, COVID's in control where I think the way that I hear it in my conversations with my family and friends and different committees that I'm a part of planning on is, well, I guess we'll see what happens with COVID. And this book of Job really shifts that question throughout the course of it to say, God's in control. And I guess we'll see what God does. God has an active role in what's going on. And so what are you going to do with this, God? Where are you leading us to? One of the questions that we asked at the start of this podcast that the Satan or the accuser brings up in the conversation with the Lord is, does Job love God only because of what Job is getting out of the relationship? And I think that's a fair question to ask ourselves, too, is um, are we in this relationship with God only for the sake of what we get out of it? Or you might look at it from the, the perspective of, do we love God only to the extent that he pushes further what we want or what uh, we'd like to have in our, our life? Or do we actually love God because we're in this relationship with him? So is it simply about what, is it about me and about what I get out of this relationship? Or is it about actually being in the relationship with God? So uh, to take some time and think about that for yourself, um, what is your relationship with, with God like? And if life doesn't go the way that you want, or if it's not always perpetuating what you'd like to see in the world. Um, how does that affect your relationship with God when things 
don't go the way that you want them to or when it uh, you feel like you've done everything right that you possibly could and everything seems to be going wrong around you how does that affect or does it affect your relationship with God? 